I love that hymn, and I hope you notice that this hymn was teaching that the way to true joy is through the humility that comes from looking at Jesus, looking at your own sin, and looking again at Jesus. Our text this morning is Mark chapter 15, verses 1 through 15. And we do believe that the scriptures of the Old and New Testament are the uh, word of the true and living God. And so please give your attention to uh, this passage of scripture. As soon as it was morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And the chief priest accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, What then shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil hath he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged or whipped Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, as we look at the way that the Lord Jesus was treated on that horrible yet blessed morning, help us to realize that it was for our sins that he, that he died. It was our punishment that He paid. That it was for our redemption that He hung on that cross. Help us to understand Your Word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a new Christian... I often used to find myself wishing that uh, I could have lived with Jesus while he was uh, living on earth. Have you ever wished that you were one of his twelve disciples? Uh, Not Judas, but one of the others who was able to uh, live with him day in and day out on earth. I often thought about that and I thought nothing could be better following him, watching him operate uh, as he confronted his enemies, as he loved the downcast, as he performed his miracles, hearing him preach and uh, sitting at his seat, just learning from him. And one of the reasons why this was so 
so important to me, and, and as I would think about this, it's because I, I knew so little about the Bible when I was converted during my freshman year in college. And also, uh, I knew so little about how to live the Christian life. And I thought, if I were one of his disciples, if I had been living during that time, I would be able to learn uh, so much so quickly. And also... Uh, my faith would be so much stronger than it was then uh, when I first became a Christian. I, I had those doubts. You know, is this all true? Uh, now, many years later, um, I'd like to sympathize with those who, who have the doubts, but I, in one way I really can't because I, I can't imagine now not believing in the God of the Bible. I mean, my entire worldview, all my values, I just would, would make no sense to me. Uh, my entire view of the world and of the universe would be out of kilter. Um, my entire philosophy of life, everything I commit myself to, I just wouldn't be able to... Um, I don't know how I'd function. I don't know how, how non-Christians, how people who don't believe in the God of the Bible, how they function on a, on a day-by-day basis. It's not surprising to me that in our culture today, when we have every convenience that the world could offer, um, that people are so generally unhappy. And this unhappiness predates the economic struggles. It seems like the more prosperous we are, the more unhappy our culture has been. And so I've changed in, in, uh, in my perspective on whether it's true. I mean, I, like I said, I just don't know that I can live... Uh, if it weren't true. But my perspective also on wanting to live with Jesus while he was still on earth has also changed. I still want to see him. I still want to live with him. In fact, those desires to be with him have increased uh, over time. But now I want to live with him in glory and not while he was here on earth. Because it occurs to me that living with Jesus while he was on earth would have been pretty uncomfortable. Think about it. Jesus is perfectly holy. Every thought, every motive, every word, every action was perfectly in keeping with God's word. In fact, Jesus was a moral mirror of God's righteousness. He was a living, breathing, if you will, walking picture of the Ten Commandments. Perfect reflection of the righteousness and moral perfection of God. And so living with Jesus had to be a constant reminder of how you didn't match up, of how unholy you really were. I do long to see Jesus face to face, but I long to see him after I have that glorified body where I'm unable to sin. It's it's heartbreaking when we do sin before our holy God and, and we do live in his presence. But I can't imagine being with him face to face and sinning right in his face. Um... 
I say all this because it shouldn't surprise us that everybody who came in contact with Jesus um, eventually came to uh, dislike him in some manner or, 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 uh, or form except for those whom the Lord Jesus had poured out his spirit into but even the disciples um, after they were converted still confronted Jesus and um, felt like they had to speak behind his back and, and do things like that they were scared of him because he is so poor, morally perfect and righteous um, we're going to look this morning at um, Pilate. I had three points that are out on your outline, but we're really only going to look at the first point uh, this morning. doesn't mean that I've shortened the number of points. doesn't necessarily mean that the sermon will be any shorter, just to give you that fair warning. And, um, but I want us to look this morning and compare ourselves with Pilate. And in so doing, also compare ourselves with the Lord Jesus. Uh, and so that first point, the only point, we are Pilate. Here's what's happening. The Sanhedrin had already found Jesus guilty. Uh, they had tried him. They had sentenced him to death. But now they've got a problem. Uh, in order to have the death sentence carried out by crucifixion, the Romans had to do it. And so they knew that they would have to convince uh, Pilate that uh, Jesus was guilty and worthy of death. And so they began to change the indictment against him. They never read Jesus an indictment. They convicted him without an indictment. Once they convicted him, they said he's guilty of blasphemy for claiming to be the Messiah. But they changed the charges to insurrection, as we'll see here in a few moments. Um, and to give you the timeline, uh, this has been happening overnight. They finally finished up with the trial uh, of Jesus between 3 and 4 a.m. They broke uh, for a couple of hours, and then they came back. And it is before 5 a.m., and they want to go ahead and move forward in this process. So they woke Pilate up at 5 a.m. Now that might seem stunning that they would do this. Um, but uh, I remember when I was in Uganda. And during my time in Uganda, they, they only had one power plant that served four countries. Uh, Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, and Tanzania. And so they had to share the power. So three nights a week they would just shut down all the power in Uganda so that Tanzania and Kenya could have the appropriate power. And they would rotate countries during this time. And so, you know, at nightfall, when it was dark, everybody just went to bed. 8.30, well, there's no power. And so you just go to bed. Well, they didn't have any power plants in Jesus' day. So they went to bed early. They arose early, um, just before daybreak. And that was, that was the case in Uganda and surely the case here. So it wasn't maybe as, um, as odd that they would go and uh, wake Pilate up at five, before 5 a.m. And they want, they want Pilate to simply rubber stamp their, um, their request. 
the pilot, to his uh, credit, did not rubber stamp the Sanhedrin's trial. He wanted to hear the indictment. And so they replied to him in uh, John 18.30. Here's their reply. He says, um, they answered him, If this man were not doing evil... Would we have not delivered or we would not have delivered him over to you? In other words, you're saying, just take our word for it. He's doing evil, and so um, but Pilate would not hear of it. And in fact, he insisted on hearing the indictment. And uh, the reason why he wanted to hear the indictment is he knew that it was all, as we would say in the South, hogwash. That uh, it was because of envy that um, they were bringing Jesus up on these charges. So anyway, um, Pilate then took Jesus aside. In our text, in verse 2, Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, You have said so. And so uh, there's a longer discussion. In fact, uh, we're not going to take time to look at it, but John 18, verses 33 through 37, there's this whole discussion between Jesus and Pilate. You remember the text where Pilate says, you know, what is true? And Jesus talks about being the, the king. And, and um, so there's that longer discussion, that, and Mark only boils it down to this one question. While Pilate's interviewing Jesus inside, the Sanhedrin is out and a little crowd has begun to gather. In fact, the Sanhedrin being um, 70 people themselves constituted a little crowd, plus it being the feast time and people are beginning to wake up and and get about the city. This is maybe for most people their, their only time during the year they're going to be in Jerusalem, so they're getting up, beginning to mill about. You know, like if you go on a vacation to... Um, when my wife and I go to New York City, you know, we're up before dawn so we can go out, see the Today Show, you know, and do all those kinds of things. Um, so people were up. There's this crowd beginning to gather, and they come to find out what's going on. And the Sadducee, I'm sorry, not, the Sanhedrin are out there, and they begin poisoning the crowd against Jesus. Uh, Pilate ends his questions of Jesus. They step outside, and the Sanhedrin begins shouting their ex- their uh, accusations against Jesus. In Matthew 27, verses 12 through 14, it says, um, But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, uh, he gave no answer. Uh, then Pilate said to him, Do you hear how many things they testify against you? But he again gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor uh, was completely amazed. So uh, they they were basically charging him with insurrection, uh, saying that he was not um, giving money, uh, he was not paying his tithes, he was challenging Caesar. So they changed it from from uh, blasphemy to insurrection because they were so desperate to get these charges uh, to stick and have Pilate uh, indeed turn him over to be crucified. But Pilate made it clear that Jesus was innocent. In fact, he was so certain that Jesus was innocent 
that uh, he could have at this point dismissed the case against Jesus and sent the soldiers in to disperse the crowd. But things weren't so easy uh, for Pilate. Uh, Pilate had been the, the governor of Judea, of the region of Judea, for four years. And he was basically, or apparently, an impatient man. In fact, he tried to uh, establish his authority when he first came by sending the soldiers in with the insignia of the Caesar right into the temple, daring the Jews to cause an, an, an uprising or a riot. So then he would, and then he, they did, and he sent in the soldiers to quell it. And uh, there was almost a great deal of bloodshed. And uh, he did several things like this when he was first starting out. Uh, Josephus, the Jewish historian, uh, lists all the mistakes that uh, Pilate had made. And um, Josephus uh, recounts for us that Pilate was on the verge of being relieved from duty, that uh, Rome had grown frustrated with him. And um, were uh, ready to ready to remove him if one more significant incident happened. And so Pilate here is very fearful that if he doesn't appease the Sanhedrin, that there may be a riot and his career would be over. So you can see he's wanting to appease the Sanhedrin if at all possible. But he also knows that Jesus is innocent, not worthy of death, and so, uh, again, to use some uh, southern colloquialism, um, Pilate's in a pickle. What's he going to do? Well, he tries several things. First of all, we find uh, in, in um, Luke that as he's questioning Jesus, he finds out that Jesus is from the uh, region of Galilee. And so he says, aha, maybe I've got a way out. Because uh, Herod Antipas was the governor over the region of Galilee. Herod uh, Antipas happened to be in town that week for the festival. So what he did was he sent Jesus, and apparently it was just a very short distance, over to Herod Antipas. And uh, this is the same Herod who had uh, John the Baptist beheaded. Uh, in that whole incident. And Herod had never met Jesus. He had heard these stories about this miracle working Jesus. So he was very glad that Pilate sent him over. And so they, he interviewed uh, Jesus. He found nothing worthy of uh, crucifixion. He said basically he's an innocent man. Uh, he dressed Jesus up as a king and mocked him. But then he basically sent Jesus back to Pilate and said, this man's done nothing wrong. Certainly nothing uh, worthy of the death sentence. So that was Pilate's first plan. To send him over to Herod, let let Herod deal with it. Well, he sent back to, to Pilate. And so this problem of what to do with Jesus remains. While Jesus was over at Herod's, then the Sanhedrin is down, uh, the religious leaders, the scribes, Pharisees, um, the council, which is really the Sanhedrin, they are still there and they are poisoning the crowd. The crowd begins to gather as it gets later and later. And uh, they've got them pretty well um, whipped up into a frenzy. And so... Um, 
then Pilate, to appease the crowd, offered to whip Jesus and to release him. He thought, well, they're a little bloodthirsty. I'll give them a little blood. It's the 39, uh, the 40 lashes minus one, or the 39 minus one. Uh, he whipped, He offered to do this, and then to sweeten the deal. He referred to a custom that uh, they had that had grown up. It was an unrighteous custom uh, because it allowed people, it allowed prisoners out of God's justice. But it was a custom all the same during the celebratory festivities of the Passover week to uh, release a prisoner during the Passover. And so Pilate, this is, this is fairly um, fairly brilliant on his part. He gives them only a choice of two people. Jesus, who had been wildly popular the week before, um, remember it was only a week earlier that he had ridden in on the back of a donkey. People were putting their coats, their cloaks on the ground. They're waving the palm branches. They are crying out, "Hosanna! Blessed be the name who comes in. Uh, blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna!" So there's this wildly popular Jesus. And then the other choice was Barabbas. Matthew 27:16 says he was a notorious prisoner. Uh, if you compare Luke 23 and John 18, it says he was convicted of murder, of sedition, and of robbery. Here in our text, um, it says that he was uh, he committed murder in the insurrection, and so it was a, it was a, a known insurrection. It was well known uh, his crime and his part in it, and so Pilate thinks he's got it made. The people will certainly, given these two choices, pick Jesus over Pilate. And um, at this point, as he's put this choice before them, all of a sudden Pilate's wife comes out. And it doesn't say that she whispered in his ear, but I'm thinking that's probably what happened. Um, She whispered in his ear, have nothing to do with this man. Remember, she had the dream. And it was during this little interruption that the Sanhedrin then stirred the crowd. And uh, the crowd was rallied around the Sanhedrin. And so he said, uh, which one should be released? And the people said, Barabbas. And then he said, still trying to release Jesus. But what should I do with Jesus, um, who is called the Christ? And the people had turned completely. Surprisingly, but completely. A week before, it seemed as if they loved Jesus. It seemed as if they were willing to lay down their very lives to worship Him. Why had their their love for Him turned to hatred? Part of the reason is is that Jesus spent a week with him, with with them in the in in Jerusalem. They got to see Jesus on a daily basis. The whole history of Israel was a history of rejection of God. The Israelites, because of God's law, were to be the most moral, the most just, 
the most righteous society that had ever existed. They were to be this light shining on a hill. And had they followed God's law, that's what they would have done. They would have been an example for all the other nations. But instead, in their hearts, they rejected Him. They rejected Him from the time they left Egypt. They rejected Him during the 70 years in the wilderness. Once they came into the promised land, they rejected Him and rejected Him and rejected Him and rejected Him. And when Jesus came unto His own, John chapter 1, His own knew Him not. He came as a light in the world and they rejected Him because they loved the darkness rather than light. They wanted to live like the nations around them and so they hated the good and righteous standards that God had set up for them. God's laws, they changed into uh, something else entirely. They rejected God's righteousness. They rejected God. They rejected God's Savior because He was the moral reflection of His righteousness. Temptations abound in our own society. You turn on the TV and there are commercials um, urging you to go after this or after that. The internet, um, radio, books, friends, neighbors, newspapers. There are all these influences saying um, chase after something other than God. Everything in our society is a temptation to dwell in the darkness rather than the light. And Jesus coming into Jerusalem, He was like a light switch being turned on in the middle of a, of a dirty kitchen. You know what happens in a dirty kitchen. There are all these cockroaches that scramble uh, for the corners. When I was in college, I thought I had it made. I got the, the room right next door to the dorm kitchen. I'd store my coke in there and you know and, and stuff like that in the in the kitchen and I could come out late at night and get my get you know, get a drink or, or get a snack. I'd turn on the light because that, that kitchen was dirty, you know, and the cockroaches would go everywhere. The real problem was those cockroaches would wander over from the kitchen in my room and crawl up my legs at night. <laughs> and so I lived only there once one semester. But uh, let me tell you, if you're not as close to Jesus as you want to be, it's not because the Christian life is too difficult. Rather, in most cases, Maybe all. The world has come and has begun to steal your heart, pull you away from Jesus. His grace is sufficient for you to be as close to Him as you want to be. But watch out for the worldliness. The Israelites thought that they were walking with God and they ended up rejecting Him. Rejecting Him. And so, returning back to our to our text, um, Pilate then asked again when they said, "Give us Barabbas." He said, "Well, what do you want me to do with Jesus?" 
and they shouted, Crucify him, verse 13. And in verse 14 it says, But why? Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him! At this point, Matthew, uh, Matthew's account says that Pilate washed his hands and said, I wash my hands of this man's blood. And then he took Jesus, uh, he took Jesus and he whipped him. I think that uh, movie, um, the, the Passion of the Christ, uh, Mel Gibson's account there seems to be in keeping with um, the, what that whipping uh, really looked like. And then he brought Jesus out to them, showed them the blood, showed them the the um, the aftermath of the whipping, still hoping that they might release him. But they began to shout all the more, crucify him, crucify him. In John uh, 19, in, in this in the account, verses 7 through 9, listen to this. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard that statement, it caused him pause. <laughs> he got a big lump in his throat. He was even more afraid. You know, I think he was really—he was willing to crucify the Messiah, but now this man is the Son of God, possibly. And so, even though everything or everything's at fever pitch, he brings Jesus back away from from the crowd, and he brings him aside, and he begins to question him again. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered into his headquarters again and said to Jesus. Just where are you from? (laughs) It's essentially what he's asking. But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, Will you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, and this was their trump card. This was their ace in the hole. If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. And so when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out, sat down on the judgment seat in a place called the Stone Palace, and he gave Jesus over to be crucified. Mark's account in verse 15 said, Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. John MacArthur in his uh, his book, The Murder of Jesus, which I want to mention briefly because it's been very helpful uh, to me in my study of this passage, he says at this point that Pilate delivered Jesus over for job security. He gave up his eternal soul, handed the King of Glory over to be crucified for job security. I want to bring this uh, sermon to a conclusion. 
and I want to make the application not that we should look down our noses at Pilate and say if we had been in his place we would have made a better decision that is not a proper application nor is it to redouble our efforts at avoiding the temptations of the world that's not the proper application of this sermon not even to redouble our efforts at being good that's not the proper application the proper application of this sermon is to identify with Pontius Pilate there's a story that of a missionary uh, to a people that had been previously unreached and the missionary uh, happened to have a little wall hanging uh, mirror and the chief of the tribe that they were working with came and saw the mirror and it was the first time this chief had looked at himself with all his war paint and all the grotesqueness of his makeup that he was wearing and you know he'd stretched his face all out with sticks and this and that and he saw it he was horrified but he was not horrified because he knew it was his reflection he was horrified at this picture of this really ugly person that he was looking at and so the missionary began to explain that this is really a picture of you and once the uh, chief became convinced of it he said I must have this mirror I want to buy this mirror from you well the missionary was not really willing to sell his mirror and he, the chief insisted and finally the missionary thought well this may be a good way to build a bridge and so he gave the mirror to the chief the chief took the mirror smashed it on the ground because he so hated the reflection that he saw in that mirror my prayer has been that you will have courage to look at Pilate to look at yourself in the mirror up against the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ who among us has shrunk back in our obedience because of peer pressure who among us has failed to share the gospel because we're afraid of what the person might think of us who among us has placed what people think about us more than what God thinks about us are there any of you who have put your jobs ahead of God that's Pilate's sin when you boil it right down job security pleasing people so will you look at that mirror but in looking in that mirror look at the Lord Jesus Christ I can't remember who it was it may have been Robert Murray McChain said for every look at my sin I look at ten take ten looks at Jesus you know what's going to happen when you look at your sin and you then look at Jesus the worldliness that you may struggle with will begin to uh, you'll begin to loosen your grip on the world 
when you look at your sin and then take ten looks at Jesus. Righteous patterns will begin to grow in your life. In other words, it's not doubling down in your obedience. It's intently looking at the Lord Jesus. And as you look at Him and follow Him, everything else will seem to take care of itself. Love fulfills the law. Love for Jesus fulfills the law. That's our freedom in Christ. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, I'm reminded of Psalm 139 and how King David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting and he says that at the end of the psalm but in the beginning of the psalm before he even prays it he says oh God you have searched me and you know me and I think what David is doing in praying that prayer at the end is trying to summon the courage to really look at himself in the full light of God's righteousness that can be a scary thing but God only look at how far short we fall and we remember that Jesus died for sinners it rejoices our hearts because we are sinners help us to look at our sin but for every look at our sin help us to look at our Savior tenfold I pray in Jesus name